0: That's great. Thank you very much, Dan. It's been brilliant just to have this time of worship with you. I know uh, just, yeah, love your heart as a church, love your heart uh, as you are intentionally investing in the younger generation. I know you have um, young people doing year outs. I think it was it Will and Ben. You've just finished your year out, haven't you? I think give us a wave where you are, Will and Ben. That's brilliant. Fantastic. I think. And it's just that year in, year out, uh, investing uh, in the young people and giving them those opportunities. And I know you're a church that prays. You meet, as it weekly to pray? And uh, that's such a good thing that you are doing that and you've done that for many years. And, um, and yes, Dan, thank you. I know, uh, well, we've encouraged each other actually during the challenges of uh, how do you lead a church uh, through the pandemic? And so it was great just to have met up and prayed with Dan at different points over the last couple of years and so yeah really encouraging uh, to be here. So uh, just to say a little bit more about uh, myself and Gaynor and and I and our daughter Natalie. So we moved from 2010 uh, from a place called High Wycombe uh, sort of west of London and that was really in response to the Holy Spirit calling us. Uh, We were really really encouraged with what God was doing in the church that we were serving there in my hometown in High Wycombe and uh but the Holy Spirit had other plans and really responding to the call for church planting in the m62 corridor uh Jeremy was kind of leading us to pray for that and we heard Jesus speak to us uh, in that prayer time so um so that's right uh, we've been in Bradford now for the last uh 12 years and uh, celebrating uh, City Valley Church's kind of 10-year anniversary uh, this this month. Uh, so we're, we're a multi-site church, so it's great to see uh, a site uh, started in, in Shipley, North Bradford, and then near Skipton. There's another one there. And then during lockdowns, we started uh, one in Central Bradford. And um, so Gaynor and I, we... We work very closely together, often actually interchangeably. Uh, We've got different leadership gifts. Uh, Imagine probably a bit like uh, Priscilla and Aquila. I know you're in a series in Acts at the moment. And we have one daughter called Natalie, and she's in her last year at uni. Now, uh, yes, most of you have seen uh, me on screen uh, leading uh, the times where we've been praying for Ukraine. Uh, And Gainan and I have the privilege of leading the Yorkshire region, I know there's some really good relationships across the seven churches uh, in the Yorkshire region, uh, especially amongst the leaders. Uh, but I, it's, it's a real joy uh, to be part of this region with you. Uh, now, we're in an exciting uh, new phase of not losing any of the strength of our relationships. Uh, but as seven churches, we're taking on more apostolic responsibility for each other you know supporting each other uh, to encourage each other to be healthy churches and encouraging each other as we are kind of stretching out our tent pegs uh, to new places i was with one of the leaders from one of the uh, york churches and we were just chatting a couple of weeks ago and and he was sharing like his heart for Scotland, and then it's like that triggered, oh, there's a couple that I know in, in Peebles, which is just uh, the other side of the border in, in Scotland, and, and they're not settled in a church, but they want to be part of a church like us. And we think, oh, I wonder what God is doing there. Maybe God's doing something in Peebles. And then it's like, oh yeah, and we've got this couple coming from Pickering, like driving 40 minutes to, to be with us on a Sunday, because there isn't anywhere where they live in that, that village uh, to be part of a church. So, oh, maybe, maybe God's you know, doing something there, wanting something uh, to be planted there. Well, this is part of the prophetic picture over new frontiers of that bow that's stretched out from the south to the north. Imagine a map of the British Isles, that bow, like a bow and arrow, being stretched out and uh, looking to see church planting happening all around the British Isles and then kind of being launched out to the nations. So this is us. We're still living with this. You know, we're a church planting movement. We're still living with this. Uh, But mostly, uh, I would say... uh, In the the different spheres in New Frontiers, we've we've planted in virtually all of the cities. There's a few exceptions, like Nottingham. Uh, But actually, what about the towns and the villages? You know, there's some big towns that have very few churches that we can be working with to see new churches planted, places like Rotherham or Pontefract. You know, so what is Jesus saying to us as a group of churches in Yorkshire. What is Jesus saying to us about this? So talking about uh, stretching out our tent pegs, who's missed, devoted these last few years? Anyone, anyone out there loved that time? I think I remember the last time it, we called it del Devoted because it was really, really, really warm. And it um, was a joy to be camping then. Um, personally, I love it when we are together as churches, you know, worshiping, just having fun. And it's great, it's great to hear you're gonna be having a staycation weekend next weekend and having lots of fun there. But I, I love it when we're together with other churches, having that fun, enjoying one another's company, worshiping, encountering. Uh, what well, you've probably heard or will be hearing soon on the 5th of November, so on a Saturday, we've got five hours together 9.30 till 2.30 in Leeds, where it's like a mini devoted and uh, where we've got the children will have separate sessions and the youth and there'll be uh, worship times together at all, all age as well. Uh, but really, we need these times. We need these times when we're gathering with other churches because these are helpful times to bring the reminder that we're not on our own. Actually, we all need these times to see that we're caught up together on an adventure as church families in Yorkshire. So, I hear that you're currently in a series of Acts, and actually as I was praying about what to speak on, um, Acts chapter 1 was an option that I was kind of thinking about, considering, uh, but actually I've ended up on Isaiah chapter 40. So if you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 40, it will come up on the screen as well. So I'm just gonna read just a few verses, verses 28 to 31. I don't know if, if there are any artists or doodlers out there or children, if you're, if you like Drawing pictures that relate to Bible passages. Actually, you can have a field day with this passage. and I'd love to see uh, what what you come up with at the end. So Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord... The creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So I want to talk about waiting. I know I'm sure most of us don't like waiting. <laughs> I, uh, I I'm not really a gardener, but we've got a little bit of grass and uh, there was a few bold patches um, a few months ago and I planted uh, some grass seed, which I can't imagine I, I was actually doing that, but I planted some grass seed. Anyway, the next day I was out there looking to see, I could see the grass seed was still there. Were there any little shoots? No. I know it grows fast, but it doesn't grow that fast. I'm sure there were lots lots of waiting that went on during the pandemic restrictions. Uh, who here had to self-isolate in their home or their bedroom? Anyone have to do that? <laughs> There's quite a few of you had to do that. And um, whether you were like counting down the days where you could be let out of your bedroom or let out of your house. I know that... Um, uh, our daughter, she signed up for a driving crash course um, like a few months before the pandemic started, uh, but it didn't happen very quickly. She had to wait two years for her driving test in the end. Now, these are fairly trivial kind of things maybe to, to wait for. Uh, I know perhaps many of you or some of you um, are in some really tough situations. You know, Maybe you're waiting for a hospital appointment or procedure. Maybe you're waiting for a, a family prodigal to return. You know, I don't know if any of you work with uh, asylum seekers, but Gainer and I, during the pandemic, we had the privilege of, of delivering food and getting to know uh, some of the asylum seekers in Bradford. And we were shocked as we heard that, that many of them were waiting years, some of them 10, 15 years for their case to be heard and for them to know whether they are able to stay here or not. And that really, that really got to us, actually, you know, the, the injustice of that, we really felt for them in that place. Personally, for Gainer and I, one of the big weights for us uh, in our life was uh, in ho- the whole area of conception. Our daughter Natalie took uh, a few years to come along, and then a decade of waiting, of hoping uh, for a brother or sister for Natalie, and actually that uh, in the end didn't happen. And uh, just to be clear, uh, we are no longer, <laughs> we're no longer waiting for that one. <laughs> when I've shared this at some churches, I've had well-meaning people come up to the end of us and want to pray for us, that we would have another baby. But it's like, no, no, we, we don't want that. <laughs> we're, not, we're not praying for that. We're not waiting for that anymore. Uh, thank you, Jesus. So we read in this passage about waiting on the Lord. And actually I picked this passage because I sense that we're in a season of waiting on the Lord. You know, as God's people, I just sense he's calling us to a, a new season of waiting on him. I don't know if any of you either attended the Christ Central. Uh, conference in June or maybe listened online or listened to Jeremy's talk on catch-up. But he really talked about us as, uh, as the churches in the UK. Uh, we're in this kind of grey zone where we've left uh, what church looked like uh, during the pandemic's restrictions and we haven't really kind of moved into whatever the next thing is and we're kind of like in this in the middle place. I know that uh, in City Valley Church, I've used the illustration a lot of the trapeze artist, where the trapeze artist, you know, he or she's happily swinging along on the trapeze. But there's a moment when you let go of, I mean, I've never done this, but there's a moment where you let go of the trapeze and you're kind of flying through the air, hoping (laughs) to grab hold of the next one. And there's this kind of moment of being in, Suspended animation and the vulnerability of that, where you've left one thing and you've not yet grabbed hold of what the next thing is, and actually, that's where we are. You know, that's where we are at the moment. Uh, and and in this place, in this grey zone, you know, there's a call here to wait on the Lord to to grab a hold of Him for what He has for us next. Actually, it could be a little bit like the place where the disciples, what the disciples felt like when Jesus said to them in Acts chapter one, you know, wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. And I know that Richard preached on that a few weeks ago. So the context of chapter 40, let's have just a look at the passage. So we have the Israelites. They're in exile. They're away. From their homeland, and they're waiting for God to bring them back to their homeland. And this chapter is how God encourages them in the waiting. And really, right off the bat, I want to say that this waiting you know, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? This waiting is not a passive waiting, it's not like kind of sitting in a waiting room and you're kind of waiting for your name to be called out and you're sort of thumbing through uh, whatever magazines might, might be there. Now this, this waiting, you know, the word that is used in Hebrew there, this, this waiting is, is a- an active word. It's actually the same word that say you'd use of a lion that is kind of uh, lying in wait and alert and attentive and poised, ready for action. Also the same word, um, or, you know, just doing a little bit of work on this, is the Hebrew word also means to make strong through twisting. So it's like if you've got some strands and you're, you're binding them together to make a strong Wrote. really interesting, isn't it? That's 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 the the roots of this word to make strong through twisting, as we as we it's just a real picture of, of binding ourselves to Christ, of allowing kind of every part of us to be in contact with him and drawing from him. So at first Struck me actually that maybe Jesus was calling us into this season of waiting. It first struck me actually a few months ago. And uh, just grab a bit of water. Great to see the guys on the balcony there listening very attentively. Are the, are the seats as comfortable up there as the ones down here? Look, okay. Because the ones down here look really comfortable. I mean, I think, as as I noticed earlier, they're sort of angled with a bit of kind of like recline. (laughs) But you guys up there, well done, well done. Uh, Have you got a bit of a recline in your seats? Probably not, no, no. So where was I? Well, so as I was saying, a few months ago, I was in a Yorkshire-wide Zoom prayer time And it was a prayer time when we were praying for uh, the emerging generation. And Gainer asked me at the beginning to share about a move of God that happened uh, when I was a teenager myself at school, so maybe just a couple of years ago. We've got a 21-year-old daughter, so maybe quite a few years ago. Um, so in this Zoom, actually, I shared that when I was uh, in High Wycombe at a boys' school called John Hemden, actually, in the lunch breaks, we had these weekly Christian Union meetings. And it was the autumn of 1989, and really over the course of a few months, so I, this is what I was sharing in the, in the Zoom meeting, that really over the course of these few months, uh, the meetings that we were having Uh, in the Christian Union they were becoming more and more lively so initially there were seven or eight of us uh, meeting Uh, then some of us uh, got got baptized in the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues and uh, then there's a few more of us that this happened to you know one lad was healed Uh, we found like a new confidence and started sharing our faith uh, with our friends and then a few more uh, lads came to join us uh, and then a few more, and then a few more. Uh, so these seven or eight grew to about 20. Uh, and, and actually in our meetings, you could sense the presence of God. So this was like just a bunch of 11 to 18-year-olds. And, uh, and the classroom that we were meeting in, uh, S25, it became too small. We moved into a lecture theatre uh, that seated about 50 people. Uh, and then there was one... Meeting in December, uh, when it was like kind of the lid came off, and uh, there was standing room only. There was about 60 uh, people in that in that lecture hall. Uh, we had this lunch hour, and t- I was speaking at the time. And, and and towards the end of the lunch hour, uh, like I gave a call for anyone that wanted to become a Christian, and I, like to my surprise, there was like half the room responded, at 30 people, and and we they, they you know we. We prayed, we prayed for all those that wanted to respond. And again, you could see they were visibly encountering Jesus in what was happening in that room. Uh, There was one lad I remember called uh, Jeremy Pomfret, and he didn't respond straight away, but he came uh, down to where we were praying a bit later on. And he just, as soon as we prayed for him, he, he hit the floor and uh, I remember he, he actually really did hurt his head. but <laughs> We didn't really know uh, that it would be a good idea to have catchers. <laughs> we were learning all of this. Uh, but when, when I spoke to him later on, he said, ah, oh, this, this bump on my head, that was a small price to pay for encountering Jesus and realizing that he loved him and has saved him. So anyway, this continued uh, like in waves over the next few years. You know, over these initial few months, there's about 50 uh, came to faith. We were running discipleship groups in five different locations around the school, sending out teams out to speak at other uh, school assemblies and Christian unions, starting uh, new Christian unions in other schools. The senior leadership team didn't really know what to do with all of this. Uh, Actually, interestingly, in the end, um, they decided to ban the gift of tongues um, being spoken on school grounds. It's actually it's a curious thing because I just. I, like, How do you enforce that? <laughs> anyway. So anyway, I was sharing this in the Zoom prayer meeting and just to really encourage us as we're praying uh, for young people today about, you know, God did it then, he can do it again. And Anyway, Adam Price, who leads uh, the church in Harrogate, as he was praying, I just heard Jesus speak to me and actually prompting me. To spend a bit more time, you know, kind of going back uh, to what happened uh, to me during those school days. And as I spent a bit of time reflecting, it just struck me that this move of God had happened after a sustained period of waiting, of waiting on the Lord. You know, for, for probably six or seven years prior to kind of like, you know, the the Holy Spirit breakouts in our secondary school, probably six or seven years prior to that, uh, every day there was a 15-minute prayer meeting uh, where there was maybe just a few lads, maybe four or five lads, that would meet to pray uh, before school started, you know, Monday to Friday. Um, part of the motive was because it was cold and didn't want to wait outside for school to start, and if you were in the prayer meeting, you could get into the warm. Um, but actually, this was happening year in, year out. And I knew the theory that every move of God is preceded by a prayer movement. But this was the Holy Spirit just graciously reminding me of this through my own experience. And actually prompting me to go again. You know, to, and, and prompting me to encourage others to go again. To go again for a new season of pressing into him, of waiting on him. So as I kind of, I say slowly come into land, I've got a little bit more to say because actually it'd be good to look at the passage. So I've got three questions for this passage. Question number one, what does this passage tell us about us or about people? Well, if we just you know, look at verse 30, I know we can see clearly, you know, what does this passage tell us about people? Actually, it tells us that we're liable to fall or to faint. You know, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Actually, in some version it says, and vigorous young men stumble badly. You know, this passage tells us that we stumble. Sometimes we stumble badly. Uh, We get weary. Uh, I'm generally uh, a very healthy, well person, Uh, rarely had to take a day off uh, from work. Uh, I'm described as a sort of Tigger character, kind of always full of energy, kind of bounce out of bed in the morning, and uh, it's go, 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 <laughs> like these Duracell bunnies or something like that. Was These, these things have been used to describe me as, and um, uh, actually so much so there's a rumour going around in our church that just like Solomon asked for wisdom, that I had a conversation with God about asking him for a superpower of never-ending energy. Well, of course, that's an absolute load of rubbish. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to like, correct that one. Um, but I'll, I'll just let you into a little secret. A few months ago, I kind of got out of bed a bit too quickly, and uh, the blood hadn't got to my head uh, as I got up, and I just like fainted like I, I hit the floor. And the, paste, the, the waste paper bin, the basket in the corner, uh, got the full, is a little bit crumpled. <laughs> Actually, this is, the reality is, whether we feel we've got energy or not, all of us, all of us at different times in our life, go through seasons where we're weary, where we're lacking energy. So the point here, the point here, I mean, actually, I'm just interested if, if anyone's taking notes at the moment and <laughs> have actually written anything uh, so far. Uh, I'm so sorry if you are taking notes. Who's taking notes? <laughs> I'm so sorry if you're taking notes. <laughs> I'd be interested in what you've, what you've written up till now. Um, so the first point is this. It's dangerous to get out of bed. That's, that's a joke. That's a joke. Um, the first point is this. God knows we are weak. And he's not surprised by this. Question two, what does this passage tell us about God? Verse 28, have a look at it. What does this passage tell us about God? You're looking very studious up in the balcony again. Well done. What does this passage tell us about God? Verse 28, the the creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. So this passage tells us that God, of course, is strong. He doesn't become tired or weary. That's that's such good news, isn't it? Actually, he he doesn't become, I was just thinking about this as I was preparing this, that he doesn't become tired or weary of any of us. Every day, he beams with delight over every single one of us. He never tires of us. He's never weary of us. He looks at us He and he's just so delighted with how he's made us. His heart is so full of joy as he looks at us. So this passage, it tells us that Jesus is the creator you know, he's more powerful than anything he has created. You know, just thinking about like God's created the sun, uh, probably the, the most powerful thing in our kind of solar system. And uh, and just just doing a bit of research on this, I'm sure you might have done this that just a pinhead of the sun. So if you took the sun and just had a pinhead of the sun, actually it's so powerful that no life can exist for for within a hundred miles. Just of a pinhead. You know, so I love the picture, like, of Jesus, the creator. Like, like how powerful is he? How awesome is he? And if, I mean, if, you're, if you've got the chapter open there, you can see in verse 15, so just a few verses back, you know, we read this. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. I mean, what a picture of Jesus's... Kind of his his strength, his might, his awesomeness that that he 's walking along with a bucket, and all the nations are just like a little drop in that bucket, and he 's there. I mean, like that blows your mind, but this is the point we can 't get our head around how majestic, how powerful, how awesome is Our living God is Jesus Christ, which is incredibly reassuring. So friends, Jesus is strong. He's very strong. Doesn't grow weary. He is your strength. And this passage tells us that God is strong. And actually, he's a God who shares himself with us. I mean, I love, you know, verse 28. You know, we look at that. Just have a look at verse 28. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. You know, he doesn't keep his strength to himself. He gives power to the weak. And those who have no might, he increases strength. Of course, Jesus' strength is ultimately demonstrated when 2,000 years ago on that Roman cross, where Jesus willingly reduced himself to a human being and was, was willing to die in our place, You know, destroying the consequences of our weakness, of our waywardness, of our selfishness. And in that one act of sacrificial love where he died in our place, You know, death was swallowed up once and for all. And we have this amazing promise of life with him forever. It's like I've written in my notes, whoop, whoop. (laughs) This is amazing. So, point two. Know that God is strong and the giver of strength. So to recap then. God knows we're weak, and we need to know God is strong and the giver of strength. My final question. What does this passage say we should do in order to receive this strength? You know, personally, or as a church family, or as a nation, you know, what should we do to receive his strength? Well, just, let's have a look. Just want you to look at verse 31. What does it say in verse 31? But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Or some translations say shall gain new strength. So as we wait in a waiting that isn't passive, as we're kind of binding ourselves to Christ kind of twisting ourselves around al- around him you know allowing every part of us to come in contact with him it's like this this embrace you know being embraced by Christ or embracing him you know as we're doing this we're gaining new strength for this next leg of the journey for the for the season that we're in you know and this brings us full circle doesn't it you know, to this, this season, this grey zone, this, this place of vulnerability that we're in. That we're being called to embrace this season and wait on him. And as we see in this passage, you know, as we wait on him, he encouragingly gives us two types of strength. Can you see that? Actually, if you look at verse 31, you, you can see that he gives us strength to endure. You know, we will run, not grow faint, walk, not grow weary. You know, he he gives us two, he gives us this strength to endure. That's one type of strength. doesn't necessarily take you out of that race that you're running, but he gives you the strength to carry on running. So supernatural perseverance is one type of strength that he gives us. And secondly, he gives us supernatural strength to, to fly. Actually, we read, you'll mount up on eagle's wings. What, what's that about? Well, that's the picture from creation where the eagle, like the, the kind of the mother eagle, uh, will train uh, her young to fly by pushing, pushing them out of the nest. And it's like they're falling through the air um, and actually, if necessary, you know, if they don't start flying, then, of course, the, the, the eagle comes and swoops under and catches the young. And they mount up on eagle's wings. And actually, there's a wonderful picture here of, of whether we're flagging. Jesus comes to give us strength to endure or whether we're, we're, we're falling. Actually, he comes to kind of swoop us up to be carried on his wings. And actually sometimes, you know, God asks us to do things where it feels like he's pushed us out of the nest. Some of you might be in that place now where you think, oh my word, I am being, this is well out of my comfort zone. Well, <laughs> that's the point. Actually, Jesus is, is okay about us being pushed out of our comfort zone because then we're going to trust in him then we're going to allow him to strengthen us or to trust in his wings so whatever strength we need we're called to wait on him the one who's unparalleled in his strength so I just want to conclude now cuz i want to switch this from thinking about our, ourselves personally to what does this mean for us as a church family or a nation you know or a county the county of yorkshire you know you know when you think of the nation particularly at, at this moment in our uh, in what's happening what's happening around the world would you see, say that this nation is kind of stumbling badly or flagging or struggling you know, I listened to the uh, Radio 5 Live um, when Martin Lewis, the money expert, was being interviewed. And he was talking about the cost of living crisis and obviously rising energy bills. And, uh, and he said this. He said, I have literally run out of options to help people. You know, a kind of admission. I thought it was a really good, actually, a really good admission. It's not great to hear, but a really good admission of inadequacy. You know, and I wonder, you know, has this nation, has our nation, have we, have we come to that place of realising that we've run out of options to help ourselves? That we need to trust in one who is stronger. You know, the nation needs to do this. The nation needs to humble itself, admit it's weak and conclude that Jesus is strong and lean on him reminds me of the verse in 2 Chronicles 7:14 uh, you know if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land you know surely surely this is where we're at today. You know, we're being called as his people to wait on the Lord, to wait on the Lord for our city, for the villages, for the towns, for our county, for our nation, you know, especially during this immense period of uncertainty, and especially as there are so few uh, disciples of Jesus in our nation. You know, in Yorkshire, the stats are that 0.4% 0.4% of Yorkshire go to a kind of Bible-believing church, you know, once a month. That's staggering. I mean, that's like Japan. You know, and there's so many people in our nation who have never come across anyone that loves Jesus. You know, I was um, at a like a worship event, a big worship event uh, in the south. Uh, last weekend and it was like um, over a few days and I was just doing a bit of helping out uh, on the uh, stewarding team on the car park team just on the on the first day uh, and um, so we've got everyone pouring in we've got taxi drivers going from the train station to, um, to where this campsite and uh, worship event was being held and uh, there, was, so there was taxi drivers coming and going quite a lot um, and there was uh, one taxi driver who I was chatting to and uh, he was saying um, he was saying t- to me, like, I can't believe how happy everyone is. It's like everyone I'm picking up, they're chatting to me and they're, 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 they're full of life. And, and it's like, uh, he, he, said, he literally said to me, I've never met any people, anyone. I've never met anyone like this. I don't know anyone that's like this. And um, uh, I thought, oh, this is, this is a good opportunity to, to chat. And uh, so I was talking, about, you know, this is about... God's love, they've encountered the love of Jesus and, and that's, that's like so bubbling up in them that they want to give his love away to others. And the, the traffic was building up as I was happily chatting to him, but I was there in charge so I could just carry on uh, the conversation. <laughs> but it just struck me. It's like, wow, how many people are like this taxi driver who has, who's, never, who's not got no one in his world that loves Jesus. And there's a call here. You know, I I, I sense the call for us as his people to to be those lights on a hill. You know, as we bind ourselves to him, to receive his Holy Spirit, to receive his strength, for the call on our lives to shine, to go out amongst whoever it is that we're in touch with or to, to find people that are open to Jesus that don't know him, to shine for him. And I, and I feel a stirring in, in this kind of new season of doing the work of an evangelist to equip the church, you know, to be that lamp on a lampstand, to get used to being more visible, uh, to pray for each other, to be filled with this dynamite power. It's great that you're in a series on Acts. You know, this is the Great Commission, you know, this is the call to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit and to be propelled by his strength and his power to share Jesus with others in words and in actions. So this is the invitation this morning. To to join in this season of waiting on the Lord, listening to his voice responding to him let's should we pray and just invite the band uh, to come to come up